we're, we're going to be talking about humility and being like Christ. And over this week, as I was thinking about, man, I need something really good to start off the service with. On You know, of course, talking about humility, but I need something good. Catch their eye and all of that and that kind of thing. And I got my story on humility yesterday. Um, and basically it was on me is, is, is how I got that. I was, I was outside um, playing with my kids and uh, I think I'm going to end up banding wiffle ball from, from our, uh, um, our, one of our activities that, that we do as a family. But uh, I was pitching to my one son, Eli, and then I was pitching to um, my daughter, Emily, who's three. And, uh, and then Hannah, uh, my oldest, wanted to try. And so I'm pitching to her, and she's not even coming close to hitting the, the wiffle ball at all. So I was kind of making fun of her. Um, a little bit, but at the same hand, though, you know, I played all sorts of sports growing up, except baseball. I didn't really play. So, yeah, I was making fun, but I did say you swing like your father. OK, so I did say that I included myself in the making fun of just because, you know, I was soccer, basketball, um, other sports like that. And uh, as I as she was missing, I kept moving closer to her. So that so that she could hit it. And all of a sudden she hit a line drive. I was probably about, I don't know, 10 feet away, um, 12 feet away, line drive. And it was a really, really hard wiffle ball. OK, hardest plastic ever. Um, but it hit me square right here. And I was wearing sunglasses and it drove my edge of my sunglasses right into my forehead. And, uh, you know, I threw my sunglasses off because it hurt. And, uh, and I went like this. And I came down, and of course your forehead, you know, anywhere up here bleeds like crazy. So I'm like, are you serious? You know, so I, I went inside, and, you know, I'm thinking, great, now I'm going to have to get stitches. But once I cleared it off, it wasn't that bad of a, bad of a cut. But, you know, there's, there's the humility thing, you know, because who knows, it will probably leave a little bit of a scar. So how would you get that scar? You know, I was whitewater rafting. I got thrown from the boat. I hit a rock, but I saved all the rest of the people rafting with me. That's how I, I got hit by a wiffle ball by my 14 year old. You know, it, it puts you in your place, you know, and, and so many times, um, you know, it, it's when it, it seems like, you know, when we're thinking, hey, we have it all together, something comes along and, and puts us in, in our place. But I have some interesting quotes on, on from people who probably weren't all that humble or humility. One of them I have up on the screen, um, and, and it's uh, Mark Cuban. He's a billionaire, but he said, when I die, I want to come back as me. So pretty humble. Um, some other quotes I don't have up there, um, but, but I'll read to you. One was, when you're as great as I am, it's hard to be humble. And uh, that was Muhammad Ali said that. Um, Oscar Levant, he was a pianist. He was an, an actor. Um, he, here's what he said. He said, what the world needs is more geniuses with humility. There are so few of us left. And then finally, Ted Turner said this, if I only had a little humility, I would be perfect. So, interesting comments on humility. And so many times we hear that word and what we think is, is that, man, if, if I'm going to have humility, if I'm going to be humble, then I need to let people walk all over me. You know, I, I need to, to not, you know, talk back, not speak my opinion. And, and that's not what being, being humble or having a humility, that's not what it's about at all. 
And this morning we're going to just stay in Philippians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be if you have your Bibles. Um, that's where, where we're staying. You can open them to that. If not, it will be up on the screen when, when we read through it. Um, and, and we're going to look at exactly what Paul said um, humility was and, and the example that Christ was there. A, a little bit of, of history, just so you know, um, a little bit about the church at Philippi, who he was writing to, is uh, Paul. This probably had a special place in Paul's heart because this was the, the first church that Paul founded in Europe. Okay, so, so this was the first church that he founded in Europe. And then when Paul was writing this, so you know, he was more than likely in prison when he wrote this letter to them. Um, so he's writing to them from prison. This is a church that he founded as the first one in Europe. So, so it's been um, established, and, and he's writing Philippians to, to encourage them. Okay? The, the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, has, has been doing some good things. But he's saying, you know what, you've been doing good, but you have a lot further to go. Because I think he was already noticing in the church, you know, when you get that thinking that, hey, we're doing okay, we're doing good, that you kind of just rest. And you kind of just say, hey, we're doing good. Um, We don't really need to push it any further. And so he was at that point with them. But he said, you know, I want to encourage you. I want you to move further. And that's what we're going to look look at this morning in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Here's what they say. They say, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfishness or ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being made in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. As as we look at these, this passage and, and kind of look at what would humility as a church look like. Um, we're, Paul wrote this to the church, but I want you, as we're thinking, yes, we're going to talk in the whole context of here's some challenges for the church, but I want you to take these challenges personally as well. Because as we look at them, I really feel that if you took these challenges personally and applied them to different areas of your life, like, say, your marriage you're going to see an incredible difference in your marriage or in your workplace or just in friendships. You're going to see a difference. So, yes, we're going to talk kind of as a church because that's who Paul was talking to here, but take these points and say, okay, man, what if I did this with my spouse? Would that change our relationship? What if I did this with my coworkers? What if I did this just with the friendships that I have? So be thinking along those lines as, as well. That's not too much to ask, right? 
You can do that? All right, I'm, I'm sure you guys can. So, so that, that's where we're going to go. I, I'd like to start out just really quick looking at verse 1, because Paul starts off with kind of some if statements. He, he's saying, here's things that are there. Okay, he's kind of saying rhetorical statements or questions. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Basically, he's saying, I know you guys are united with Christ, so you should take encouragement from that. That's happening. So if that's there, yeah, it's there. Okay, and, and then he, he just says, if that's there, if there's comfort from his love, okay, definitely you're going to gain comfort from Christ's love. If there's any common sharing in the spirit, if there's any tenderness, compassion, he's saying, okay, that stuff's happening, guys. I see that in your lives. But if all of that is there, then let's take this further. You guys are doing a good job. And he says, make my joy complete by doing this. And he challenges them. um, And we're going to make it in four different areas this morning. It is where he challenges them as a church. Say, hey, if you want to make my joy complete... Let's do this. Okay? And the first challenge that he has is, let's have the same love for one another. Out of verse 2. Let's have the same love. Let's have a mutual love. As a church, is that there? Do you love, have that mutual love for everyone? You know, maybe what was happening back in the church in Philippi is someone was walking through the doors and they'd see someone standing down the hallway. Oh, I don't want to talk to them. I can't really stand them. You know, because that doesn't happen here at all. I know. All right. Sorry, I was being sarcastic a little bit. But, you know, that mutual love that, that needs to be there. If you want to take that step further, there, there needs to be that love. It doesn't matter who the person is. Because you're united in Christ, there should be a mutual love there. And if there's not, it can cause division. And Paul is saying you need to take this a step further. You guys are doing okay, but let's move on. I remember a guy in in my first church that he didn't have mutual love for everyone in the congregation. There where basically you were on one of two lists, on the ones he loved and the ones he did not like at all whatsoever. There was, there was no in-between. And he was a guy who he felt that it was better to tell you if he didn't like you because then to, then to just talk to you and not admit that he didn't like you, that was worse than not telling you. I mean, he would actually go up to families, and I remember one Sunday him basically saying, I, I don't understand why you guys are here. Um, you basically um, use up good air that other people could be breathing. I mean, that was the type of per- But he felt, okay, he felt he was doing the right thing by telling them because that's how he felt. But there wasn't that mutual love. Thankfully, myself and my wife were on his good list. You know, but it was it was a it, it was just interesting because I remember going to dinner at at his house and basically him going through the list of church people. What do you think about this person? What do you think about this person? Oh, I don't like that person. What do you think? You know, and we're sitting here just looking at each other. Kind of, okay, when can we leave? Um, how can we get out of this quicker? And, and and it's that you know not having that mutual love. Because we're in this together, we have this unity with Christ, so that love should be there. 
And, and Paul is challenging the church. Hey, you know what? You're doing good, but I'm starting to see some things. I'm starting to hear about some things. So I'm going to challenge you in this area that there needs to be that same love for one another. And so that's the first area that he challenges them in. The next area is he challenges them to be of one mind. Okay, what does that mean? Does that mean that everything that I say from up here or Pastor Mark says or one of the other pastors, Pastor Dave, when we preach that everything we say, you need to just believe it and do it and act on it? Yeah. No, that's not what it means. Okay, that's that's not what it means. Okay, what what he's saying here, he doesn't want a bunch of robots, but basically what he's saying is, is when you look into this, is that we need to make sure we have the same focus. Okay. As, as you read through the New Testament, you'll see one of the things in Corinthians is that God has given all of us a variety of gifts, different gifts for us to use. But he's also given us one purpose and one focus, and that is in whatever we do that it should bring glory to God. And that's what he's saying here is that, you know what, as a church, okay, Philippians, as a church, you should be of one mind. It doesn't mean you're robots, but what it does mean is that as you use your gifts, as you use your abilities, here's the focus, not on you, not on yourself, not on outdoing somebody else, but on bringing glory to God. And when you do that, then you will have that oneness of mind. And as you read through Philippians, he actually even calls some people out on this. By name. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, he calls out two women. And, and the verse says this, it says, And sorry if I butcher the names, if you pronounce them differently, that, that's fine. Um, if I say them more than once this morning, I'll probably pronounce them differently each time I say them. Um, all right, But it says, I plead with you, Yodia, and I plead with Sintake to be of the same mind in the Lord. Okay, so here later on he's saying, okay, hey, you two ladies that are causing divisions, you know, he, he calls them out by name. He said, I'm pleading with you to be of one mind in the Lord. Because this is hurting the church at Philippi. How would you like it to have the only time your name is mentioned in the Bible? <laughs> To be something like this. I mean, this is the only place they're mentioned. Because he doesn't go on later and say, hey, thank you for working that out. He just says, hey, I plead with you too. You know? And, and it's there. It's, it's another challenge. There, there's so many of us. And we have so many different gifts. But he's challenging the church and saying, you know what? Be of one mind. How do you do that? Well, what's your goal? What's your goal in the end? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on just what you want so you can get it so it can be done? Or are you focusing on the glory of God? And and that's when you see that happen. And that's what he's challenging the church to. And that's what I would challenge you to as a church and also individually. You know, I go back to, you're supposed to be thinking on on different levels in your marriage. 
If, if you're focusing on being of one mind and on the glory of God, how is that going to change your marriage? That this is what we're working towards. Or your family. So that's the second challenge. The third challenge he has is value others above yourself. And that comes out of verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's a tough one. Because in our society today, in how we live, it's what? All about us and what we can get. And, and it's so easy for us to judge, even when we walk in through these doors and we sit down and we start looking around and we start judging people. We especially judge people if they're sitting in our seat that we normally sit in. But that doesn't happen here. I remember when I was young going to a church, I was visiting, I'm sitting in a seat in, in a pew, and you could just feel like these eyes just staring at the back of your head. You know, and all of a sudden things were getting thrown at now. Nothing was getting thrown at me. But but you could just feel it. And it was it was like basically the person you were sitting in my seat. And I'm not going to acknowledge you or welcome you here to our church because that was my seat. You know, and, and it's it's amazing. And and is that valuing someone above yourself? No. You know, that's saying that's where I sit. You know? That's the only place. It's conformed to me. It's where I'm comfortable. No one else can sit there. And, and, but but we, we do that here in the church, but we also do that out in the community. As you drive down Interchange Road and you come to 79 and there's a guy who consistently stands there with a sign. What do you think when you see him? You, know, you think, I wonder, you know, how could he let that happen to himself? Yeah, I would, you know, I would never get to that point. And, and, and we start putting ourselves up here and putting him way down here where we don't know his story. And in fact, it doesn't matter what his story is. Because basically people matter to God, so therefore they matter to us. So his value should be up here and ours down here. And that goes on and on. And yet we see that a lot in, in churches. And that's why Paul was here saying, you know what? Let's get rid of the rivalries. Let's get rid of doing stuff. Put other people's values in front of yourself. Don't come through the doors and make it all about yourself. Come through the doors and make it about other people because God made it about other people, and you should too. And he's challenging the church at Philippi to do that. And it doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 95 years old. That's a challenge to us to value people above ourselves. And we do, we do that on a consistent basis in our lives and here as a group. Or when someone a little different walks through the doors, is it, hope they don't sit near me. Or instead it should be, hey, come sit right by me. Thanks for coming. Fourth challenge is look out for the interests of others. 
in verse 4, it says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Some other versions say, don't just look out for your own interest, but look to the interests of others. Paul here isn't saying that you forget everything that you need to do. Okay? He's not saying don't worry about providing for your family, don't worry about these things. Yes, you need to look out for your interests, but what he's saying here is, is are you so focused on yours, on your own interests, that you don't focus on anybody else around you? Are you, all, are you only worried about what you get out of this place when you walk through the doors that you're not concerned about meeting the interests of anybody else here? Let me walk through, sit down, hopefully hear something from God, walk back out, I'm done. And Paul is saying it can't just be that way. That there's other people around you that you need to look out for. It goes back to that whole, man, people matter to God, therefore they should matter to you. It's so easy for us, and I know, and when I say us, I include myself in this, okay? This platform doesn't separate us from, from the things that I'm saying. But it's so easy for us to walk down the hallway, how you doing? Good, 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 great. How you doing? Great, good. How you doing? Horrible. Good, great. And, and you just keep going. You know, it, because cause we have a certain agenda, we need to do certain things. And, and we're worried about our own interests where maybe there's a morning where when we're walking down and someone is just looking like, like they're lost and something's going on. Hey, how are you doing? And they say, okay, no, seriously, what's going on? And all of a sudden you spend the next 15 minutes just sitting and listening and caring about their interest more than being in here or the Sunday school class that you need to get to. And he's challenging them because as a church, yes, they were doing good things at Fofi, but all of a sudden they were starting to get to the point where things were starting to become me-focused. And he's saying, guys, you can't let that happen. You're doing good things, but it has to go farther than this. It has to go past this. And so he gives them those four challenges. Man, you need to have mutual love. You need to be of one mind. You need to value others about above yourself, and you look out for the interests of others. So how can we complete this challenge? Thankfully for me, Paul didn't just stop right there and, and just say, okay, go for it. Okay? He gives them all that and says, now let me encourage you a little bit. Here's why. And these verses go on, and you have these next verses, verses 5 through 11, which are, are just some incredible verses about who Christ is and what he did for us. And, and when we go to get into these verses on, on what that's all about and how we can finish these challenges in following Christ's example, the one thing that I, I want to say is is a lot of people have taken these verses and said, okay, these are verses we need to debate theologically because of the stuff it says about what Christ did. Okay. I firmly believe that Paul did not write these verses so that we could sit down and debate them theologically. I feel he wrote these verses to say, you know what, I want to encourage you and show you here is what true humility, here is what true love is. Now go do it. 
And, and that's why he wrote these verses. But so many times we try to take them and say, well, it means this, no, it means this, no, it means this, no, it means this. And he's just saying, I just want to encourage you and show you, here's what Christ did for you. Here's what humility, here's what joy is. So we complete that challenge basically by being like Christ. And he starts off with verse 5. He says that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have that same mindset as Christ Jesus. And, and he goes on to say, here's what Christ did. Here's his example. Here's Christ's example. And I just want to pick out three of the things out of this to share with you guys, to encourage you and to help you say, okay, well, what is true humility? What is this love like? Here it is. The first one is, is that he didn't take advantage of his status. You read that in verse 6, it says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Okay, in John 1.1 1, 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word. And that Word was referring to Jesus there. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus and God were one. He was equal with him. He had all the same powers. He had all the same knowledge. And what this verse is saying is, you know what? He had that status. He had all of that. But it wasn't something that he wanted to take advantage of. To me, that's amazing that he was willing to lay that aside. Okay? He's equal with God, but he's saying, you know what? I'm willing to come to this earth. That status, you know, he could have said, no, you know what, I'm too important. I'm God, <laughs> right? I'm too, I'm too important to do this. That's not me. And how many times in our lives do we get to the point where, you know what, that, that's beneath me. I can't do that. You want me to go and talk to that guy who hangs out on the corner of the highway? That's, that's beneath me. He might smell. You know, I shower every day. You know, but yet Jesus, here, here is someone who is saying, I'm not going to take advantage of that. That's something I'm not going to hold on to. Because I love you guys so much, I don't want to hold on to that. What a great example of humility. What a great example of love. That he was willing to say, you know what, the, the titles, whatever I have, I'm not worried about them. Second thing is, is that he became a servant. The next verse says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Okay. He didn't become less God. Um, in, in the Greek, the, the verb there that is used for taking, that when he takes on the form, basically, um, if you look at it, what it implies is that he added this on. It doesn't mean that he exchanged. If you want your theological part, there it is. Um, but that he added the servant part onto him. So this was in addition to who he was. 
He now said, you know what? I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to take on a human form. And I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. The God of this universe taking on a human form. I look in the mirror and I say, man, that's just unbelievable that you would do that. That here's the all-powerful, perfect being saying, I'm going to take on the body of a human. Now, some of you may be in here saying, well, I have a pretty nice body, you know. Um, Well, I'm sorry, compared to who God is, your body is pretty sad. Okay. And, And God is saying, I'm taking this on. I'm taking this on. I'm becoming a servant. I'm coming to this earth to serve you. It wasn't that he was just coming to this earth. Hey, yeah, I'll take on the body, but make sure it's a body of, you know, someone who's totally in charge of the whole world. He was, I'm coming as a servant. That's what I'm coming as. Another incredible show of humility and and love. Another part of example, how do we meet this challenge? Well, man, if you had some incredible power, let, let's say you could, you know, go wherever at, at flick of your finger and you could know what everyone's thinking. Okay, would you use that to your advantage? No, no one would. Some of you are saying no. I think a lot of you who aren't shaking your head are saying yes, but you're just not shaking your head. You know, I, I know that's a tough example, but, you know, say if you had those and all of us just saying, man, you know, and everyone now is putting you up on this big pedestal because you have these special things and all that kind of stuff. And, and then you're just all of a sudden, you know what, I, I'm still going to have those powers, but I, I could care less about them because I just want to serve. And I know that may not be a great example because it still doesn't capture exactly what Jesus did. But this all-powerful God, this all-knowing God, was willing to come down in our form. And he didn't just stop there. Because it goes on to say that in being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So he was obedient even to his death. He took it a step further and he said, you know what, I'm not even going to just come down as a servant. I'm going to take this another step further. I'm going to die for each one of you. There is your example of humility and true love. Not taking advantage of titles, or other people, becoming a servant, and becoming a servant even to the point where, you know what? I'm putting you so far above me, your needs are so far above me, that I'm going to die for you. And that's what Christ did for each one of us. That was his example. And if you just accept that and believe what he did on the cross how he died, how he paid that penalty for your sins, you can start that relationship with him. But it takes acceptance from you to do that. Now, where does that leave us as as a church? 
If you look at Christ's example, if you look at what he did for you, if you looked at how he came to this earth, how he took on the form of a servant, how he even went to the point where he was obedient enough to die for you. Doesn't that encourage you to go after these challenges? It should. You know, as a church, as, you know, the, the church at Philippi, you know, I wonder if they read this and they're kind of like, whoa. We thought we were doing good. We now need to take this to a whole other level because of what Christ did for me. It's not because of what Paul said. It's because I just realized what Christ did for me and the example that he gave us. And that's going to encourage me that this is how I need to be. And my challenge for you guys is there's those four areas that as a church we should be working at. The mutual love, the oneness of mind, putting other above ourselves. And looking out for other people's interests, not just our own. Maybe there's an area that you need to work at this week. Maybe you struggle that you're constantly fighting the whole issue of, you know what, I'm smarter and better than a lot of people around me. And you kind of have that condescending attitude. Try giving that up for a week and start putting other people above you. Maybe it's always about yourself, always about your interests, which I understand. I know that you need to take care of yourself. I know I need to take care of my family and make sure their needs are met. But also if I'm only doing that and not looking out to meet the needs of others, then I'm not doing and following Christ's example. Or maybe you're in that area where it's the the oneness of mind. Maybe there's a division between you and somebody else, either in this church or outside of this church. You know, Paul called two people out in his letter. I would have loved to have been there when they read that. You know, if it would have been, whoa, yeah, go Paul. You know, or or if, you know, who knows? How it, would have, how it would have played out. But maybe you're here and, and you know, you know what? There's just a division. I'm the one who, when I see that person walk in the door, I turn the other way because I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And Paul is basically saying, you know what? You need to follow Christ's example. He laid everything down because of the love and the humility he had, maybe you need to lay things down and go and talk to that person. And say, hey, we need, to, we need to work this out. And who knows what they will do, but you have done your part. And that goes right along with that love, that mutual love. That needs to be there. We have an incredible example in Christ and what Christ did for us that should encourage us, not defeat us, because in the end, 
when you see what he did, those verses end with, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even in that, what Jesus did, it was focused to bring glory to God the Father. And in the end, he prevailed. I challenge you this morning to to look at one of those four areas, or maybe you look at all of them. I think we can all, or maybe not all, but some of us may be saying, well, I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. It's not good enough. There's always that push to move further. There's always that way to grow closer. And as a church, this is a challenge. Can we be a church of humility? Can we be a church that puts others above themselves? Can we be a church that looks out for the interest of others? Can we be a church that is a oneness of mind and has mutual love? It's a big challenge. But when you're focused on who Christ is and what he did for you, it's a challenge that can be completed.